Hello there, and welcome to the Joyfully Black Podcast, where we have candid conversations with Black women on nourishing their mental well-being while balancing career, family life, and community care. I'm your host, Joy Dixon, a public health professional turned woman in tech and lover of seeing people thrive in their zone of genius. Welcome back to Joyfully Black. Today we are diving into a topic that is incredibly important, breast cancer awareness. And as many of you already know, breast cancer affects millions of lives every year, both men and women. And it is personally a topic that is near and dear to my heart because of the number of family members and loved ones, friends, and colleagues who have been affected. But there is hope, and the American Cancer Society is here to help. And so the American Cancer Society provides a wealth of resources for breast cancer patients and their families. I'm talking about rides to treatment, free lodging through their Hope Lodge, or subsidized housing um, lodging, so that folks don't have to worry about where they're going to stay if they happen to need treatment that is a distance from where their home base is. Also, there are education materials, support groups, and even financial assistance. So ACS is just really dedicating to making the journey a little easier. And I say this as a person who um, is currently a health equity ambassador and has been involved with the American Cancer Society for many years. So many people don't know about the resources, but I want to make sure that if you're listening to this podcast today and you are going through treatment, you have a loved one going through treatment, you know where to go to seek information, whether it's through ACS or another organization. So for more information, go ahead and go to www.cancer.org. You can also call the American Cancer Society hotline at 1-800-227-2345, in which there are trained cancer information specialist that can answer any question you have 24-7 to really empower you with accurate, up-to-date info so that you can make educated health decisions. So if you or a loved one have questions about your medication or certain things related to your care, please be sure to reach out. That's 1-800-227-2345. And of course, you can visit online www.cancer.org, where you can see support and resources in your specific area. With that being said, let's go ahead and dive into the show. Today's guest is Kimberly Wyatt, a resilient mother of two adult daughters and proud New Yorker turned North Carolinian since 2006. Beyond being a dedicated insurance agent, she's the enterprising owner of the apparel boutique Au Revoir, and as a two-time breast cancer thriver, Kim has passionately committed herself to supporting others through their cancer journey. As a Reach for Recovery mentor with the American Cancer Society and a Tiger Lily Angel advocate. Drawing from her own experiences of rising after challenges, she's a beacon of hope, assisting others in navigating their own healing paths. I am so excited to have Kimberly Wyatt join us. Welcome to Joyfully Black, Kimberly. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So I am so excited to have you because I know that you are an entrepreneur, you're a mother. You are a cancer survivor and thriver. Can you tell me a little bit about 
your journey um, into entrepreneurship and also a little bit about your cancer journey as well? Yes. So it's been a long road, Joy. Um, I'm a two-time breast cancer survivor. So I was first diagnosed in 2012. I was not able to get, I, prior to that, I had had the lump for a while and I was misdiagnosed. Um, the doctor was telling me not to eat chocolate and not to um, have caffeine products. And that was not the case. The lump got bigger and I did indeed have cancer, breast cancer. Um, it was two and a half centimeters long. So it's about the size of a gumball. Um, mm -hmm. So I optioned to get a mastectomy. They did offer a lumpectomy. A lumpectomy is when they just go in and they uh, scoop out the the cancer and then you say they save the breast. But I did option to do the mastectomy and that is when they um, removed the entire breast. So I got my entire breast removed at 36. Um, I undergone chemo. Um, I used adriamycin and cytoxin as my chemotherapy drug and herceptin at the first for the first uh, rounds. Um, it's very uh, they call it the red devil and it is mm. very, why, very, why do they call the red devil? They call it the red devil mainly because it takes you out. It mm. you can't do anything and you're sick. I was so sick. I was sick. I was, my stomach, it was really bad. Um, that first diagnosis. And I did that Herceptin for about a year after a year after that. Um, so the red devil it just makes you so very sick. That's the main reason why they call it that. Um, also, the Herceptin I did for a year, and then I was out of work for a long time. And I just really undergone a lot of the hurt and the pain of, you know, just the first diagnosis, the shock um, of it all, and not really having as much support as I would like to have had. Um, I did a lot of leaning on the American Cancer Society. And they are available to you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And so I called them sometimes at 3 a.m. And somebody was always there to answer the phone. They were very nice. They were educated. They had answers for me to, you know, what I was diagnosed with, which was uh, stage two ductal carcinoma. Um, and it was ER positive, HER2 positive. So I had all of these different things that I'm dealing with and all these different um things, words that I didn't know, this positive, that positive, I didn't know what it was. And so I optioned to contact the American Cancer Society and they were very, just always helpful and always answered the phone and just cried sometimes with me. And then they always gave me fee good feedback. I went to the Elizabeth Wendy Breast Center in Rochester, New York. I also went to the James Wilmot Cancer Center in Rochester, New York. Amazing doctor, Dr. Houston, um, Martha Newbert, she was my social worker. She was very helpful. And just the whole team over there, you have to get a team together once you're diagnosed. So the team consists of a oncologist, a medical oncologist, a um, surgeon, a plastic surgeon. And of course, uh, I had a social worker. I um, also had someone to talk to a therapist. And so everyone else, everyone worked together. So to get me to where I am. So that was during my first diagnosis. And let me stop you there for one moment. During this first diagnosis, you said you, you had to get a mastectomy at the age of 36. Yes. And, and you had a medical care team, but you mentioned something around not having the personal support. Is that, was, did I hear that correctly? Yeah. And so as you were navigating this really 
scary health challenge and you have a mother. So I'm sure you were probably thinking about your, your children. You're also thinking about work, you know, how am I going to feed myself? All of those things. What was that experience like as you were just trying to make your way through a journey no one ever wants to go on? Well, I mean, I didn't know that I was on this journey. And so you're not, you don't know how strong you are until you have no other choices. Um, Yes, I was a mom. Both of my kids at the time were school age, a single mom, um, just trying to figure out how to live, like you said. And I didn't handle it very well. I was working at Blue Cross and Blue Shield at the time. I just didn't go to work one day. And so Mm. I just didn't go to work. I think I was more shocked than anything. And then I didn't care. You know, I just like I didn't I just stopped caring about going to work. I stopped caring about myself. I kind of lost myself uh, in the the whirlwind of having uh, breast cancer or being diagnosed. And so um, I drank a lot because I didn't know no other way. And so just anything to help numb some of the pain because I didn't know what was going on. And I just felt like I was afraid of that, of dying because that's what I thought that would happen, that I was going to die. And I did, I just read a lot of books and, you know, just try to talk to anybody that would listen. And, um, you know, some people were receptive and some people kind of like, don't talk to me. So it was, I lost a lot of people along the way. I gained a lot of people, but I lost a lot of people, a lot of people that I cared about, a lot of people that I thought that would be there for me. Um, they weren't. And, you know, I think people just shy away from things that they don't understand or they don't want to deal with. Um, just as a society, it's like, it's really hard to cope with negative things. And mm-hmm. so I leaned on my faith, at least more this last second time around than the first time. The first time was just like, I didn't really know and just was kind of messed up in my whole mental uh-huh. state. But the second time around, I was a lot better in my mental health. Um, yes, I still was shocked and it was a real hard thing to go through. But I leaned on my faith a lot more in the second diagnosis. The first diagnosis, I still was, you know, leaning on my faith, but I didn't know what was going on. And so once I got better, I just moved from New York and I moved back to uh, North Carolina because I just felt like I didn't have the support in New York. I lost my house. I lost my um, my job. And so mm. I was homeless for a little bit. <laughs> and it was really hard because uh, I didn't have anyone. I felt alone. It makes you feel by yourself. You're the only one. Like, oh, you're by yourself. You're you have cancer. You feel like you're the only one that's going through these things. And you're just, I cried a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, did, I mean, I could laugh a little bit about it, but it's not a laughing matter. And everybody, you know, this is breast cancer awareness month. So we need to bring that awareness to mental health, dealing with these issues because the crying is there. The shock is there. So it's not so pretty in pink. The pe- the pretty in pink is just you know, once you're done and then everybody walks away. But that's exactly what happens. They just figure, oh, chemo is done, cancer is done, surgery is done, you're done, you're finished. And that's not the case. You have to build your life back and to get, you know, pick up these pieces. Um, I say that this is how I describe having a cancer diagnosis. It's like being in a whirlwind of a tornado. And then you're in the whirlwind of the tornado. You're going to the doctors seven days a week, or at least it feels like it. You're having all these doctors and nurses, they're poking and prodding, they're doing surgeries, they're pumping you with um, poison, all these things. And then one day it's all over and then everybody just walks away and they think that you're 
better. And so you shot up in this tornado and then you just land wherever you land. And then you have to pick up those pieces to try to figure out what you're going to do with your life. And then if you have a second diagnosis, hopefully not, but if you do, like I did, then a few years later, you have to go through the same thing all over again. The only thing is you remember how bad mm. it was. And so, you know, I was leaning back a lot more on my faith. I mean, of course, it's still the same tornado and it's still the same types of things that happen as far as the chemo, as far as the surgeries, as far as um, just trying to get better. And it was just really a hard time. But, you know, being in that tornado and, and just trying to pick up your pieces the second time around, I was a lot more um, at peace with it. Um, I optioned not to do radiation because I felt like radiation wasn't as helpful as as they make it seem to me. And then I almost didn't do chemo just because I had that before and it didn't work. And so, but I did do the chemo. I did the surgery, of course. And um, yeah, it it just is not pretty as people make it seem, you know, and you shouldn't walk away as soon as the the surgeries and the, the chemo is over because you still need that support you still need that okay let me help you pick up these pieces because you know even FEMA helps pick up the pieces of after a tornado (laughs) that's a great analogy and I'm so glad you're bringing this up Kim because how many how many years in between the first diagnosis and and that being clear to when you got the second diagnosis how how much space was in between those so it was seven years in between so I was diagnosed for my first diagnosis April of 2012 in my second mm-hmm. diagnosis this month, October of 2019. So 2019. I have a cancer anniversary. Oh, you have a cancer coming up. Acknowledging yes. like, you know, this 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 happened, you know? Yes. I, I'm curious, you bring up a really good point that a lot of folks don't think about when folks are dealing with cancer or other chronic illnesses, right? The support system. What advice would you give to someone who may have someone living with cancer or going through cancer treatment or is recently finished their cancer treatment? Like, what advice would you give the people in that person's life on how to continue to be supportive? I would say during treatment, listen, um, listen attentively and just being there and to hold their hand when they're going to their doctor's appointments, um, get those rides if they can, you know, because they can't drive all the time because they're going to be sick after chemo. Also, if you can just maybe a cup, maybe some soup because their stomach is not well. You can't eat a whole full course meal. Don't bring them to chemo, you know, Arby's or, you know, Chick-fil-A because they can't eat that. Um, mm-hmm. And just being there and just being supportive and saying, I understand, don't say, you know, don't act like, you know, and you don't know, you know, so it's best to just listen and just to be there for that person. And if they need anything, um, some things that helped me during my diagnosis, I can't really say as far as support, cause I didn't have a lot. My kids, they were very young. They don't really, they didn't really know my, and then the second diagnosis, they didn't live with me. It was during the COVID. So I didn't really have that support system as I felt like I should have had. Um, but I would say do the things that make you feel better as far as being a survivor. You know, you know, you have to survive. You know, you heard of women surviving this thing and they do and you will just being um, courageous, advocate, always, always advocate for yourself because you don't want to end up with that misdiagnosis like I did. Um, I became a insurance broker because I didn't realize how insurance could help be helpful because I was left with these big, huge bills. 
And I didn't know. Yeah. I didn't work. I'm like, oh, I don't know. And so the bills are coming in the mail. And then I, they raised all this money towards research and all these other things. But who's going to help pay these bills? So, you know, advocate and try to find places. Um, American Cancer Society is helpful with finding places. Um, Joe Go Find It Foundation is very helpful with, um, you know, helping out as far as, you know, finances, um, even in your home, you know, because you need help with rent. You need help with lights. You need help with, you mm-hmm. know, your regular bills, but you're not working. And then I don't yeah. know of anyone else, but disability from work, long-term or even short-term is not enough money. Uh, even the social security, I was on social security. I was on mm-hmm. Medicare. Um, so yeah, I tapped into all of my resources that I could, um, but it's a hard road. It is a long road. I was, I went both diagnoses is about three years, I would say mm-hmm. it took me to navigate and to get better, but it was just a long, hard road. And, um, I would say be there, listen, um, just be helpful as if you can, as much as you can. Don't try. We're not always nice people. I can say that. So when you say we, you mean folks who are going through cancer treatment. Yes. So anyone that has been sick or is sick or is going through treatments and things, they're not, you know, mean and mad at you. They're just, you know, not well. And so they may not be on a great day every day. So give them a, a pass. Give them a little grace. Yeah. That's true, because there's no perfect patient, you know, especially when you don't feel, even when you have a cold, you really don't want to be bothered, right? But only, but think about that to the to the hundred power, you know, a cancer diagnosis and radiation sometimes may burn your skin or make you nauseous or chemo may be making someone nauseous, depending on what their um, what their treatment protocol is. Um, I, right. What you're raising is just so important because folks who may not have had anyone in their family or loved ones go through this experience, just have no idea. And you are offering some really solid advice as to what's helpful and also what you wish you would have had. Now, you mentioned that because of your your experience, that made you interested in becoming um, you know, becoming an insurance broker. Um, yes. How else did your cancer journey open up your eyes to, to new experiences? So my cancer journey opened up my eyes when I actually, you know, came to the grips with it. Like, okay, this is it. Um, more or less the second time than the first time. Like I said, I was kind of messed up for a while, but, um, the second time I, you know, it opened me up to lots and lots of things. I was, I'm an insurance broker. So I sell, um, critical illness policies, which could be helpful to everyone. So it's not just cancer, any type of a major illness, such as like heart attack, stroke, um, cancer, if you have a critical illness policy, you can get paid out if you're diagnosed. So that I try to teach people about that life insurance. Everyone needs life insurance. We don't want to do GoFundMe pages. You need to be responsible adult and have your own life insurance. Um, and just Medicare, Medicare Advantage plans. I sell lots of Medicare Advantage plans. It gives lots and lots of uh, great benefits, um, even outside of just the healthcare, like um, healthy food cards and um you know, help with your energy bill, your light bills. So, you know, it's a lot of different options available through insurance. Um, also, just meeting some amazing people. Like, I've met so many amazing people in my journey. And I go to, you know, volunteer. I do events and I speak. And I, like, this interview, I do these. And um, even magazine articles. And I do all different types of things because I want people to know 
that there is an outlet because I didn't know. And I want don't want anyone to feel like they don't have an outlet. When I went through that second diagnosis, I was so sick. I couldn't get out of bed after, mm. you know, one of the surgeries. And I was like, mm, I don't want anyone. I laid in that bed as long as I could and try to figure it out. And um, I, I relay it back to, you remember the movie Kill Bill? Yes. Okay. So I optioned to get a deep flap. Now, a deep flap for my um, surgery, for my plastic surgery. Now, I've had a gummy bear implant where it doesn't leak. And then I've had a saline. I got both of those removed. And then the second diagnosis, I got the um, the gum, the um, deep flap. So the deep flap is where they take um, fat from your stomach and put it in, make a breast for you. And so I didn't really have a lot of fat. I do have enough now, but I didn't have enough at the time. <laughs> so I had to chunk it up, had to chunk up a little bit. So uh-huh. I chunked up a little bit and I was able to get a breast made. But the first surgery, they take the fat and they put it in the breast. And then the second surgery, they lift or reduce the other breasts to make them identical. And mm. that first surgery, because it cut my stomach, I couldn't get out of bed. And so I get the analogy back to kill Bill because in the backseat of the car, when she woke up and she's like, wiggle your big toe. And she had to pretty much will herself. That was me like trying to will myself out of bed. And I made my vow right then and there. Like, I don't want anybody to do this, to have to will themselves out of bed because they can't get out of bed. So people can reach out to me on, uh, you know, email, Instagram, you know, any of my social media handles, if they need help. And I will try to, you know, at least talk to them, support them. I'm a reach for recovery advocate with American Cancer Society. Um, And so they're very, very helpful with, you know, anyone that can't get out of bed. So please, please reach out. Don't just lay there and just, it's not over. And because if it was, it would be over, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love so much that, you know, after your own experience, you are finding ways to give back so that other people don't feel alone when they are experiencing or going down, you know, a path of breast cancer. Because um, it's so easy to just be grateful that that's over and you go about your business. But you're choosing to still remain involved and help, help empower other men and women who might be going through the same thing. And, and I'm curious if, if you could turn back time and think about what, what you would speak into yourself to, to kind of nourish yourself mentally through that journey, what, what would you have said to yourself, especially the first time? Okay. So during that first diagnosis, I would say this is not the end. It's just the beginning. So the Lord's not through with you yet because it would be over if it was over. So get up and go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you see that you have been able to get up and go. And, you know, I know you keep saying like you were messed up in the first journey, but I mean, that's real. A lot of people don't talk about that. They try to be like, how you say this, everyone's just in there, they're pink or whatever. It's all cutesy, although we know it is a horrific disease. We know that it's horrific, but you don't always see like the side where people are nauseous, they're vomiting, you know, all those, all those sort of things and how they're coping. And I think I really appreciate your transparency and you sharing how you coped that first time. It wasn't the most positive way to cope, but I really appreciate your your transparency about it because there may be someone who listens, who may be coping the same way and and listen and know like, okay, there's a different way that I can do this. There definitely is always a better way. Um, 
I would say get into therapy. Like right now, um, from my first, well, in my first diagnosis, they, they put all the survivors or all the people that are on in treatment, they put them in, in uh, counseling. And I think that's a wonderful thing. It is. Yeah, counseling helped me. And now I have the best therapist ever. We're best friends. That's my best. <laughs> I have to talk to her every week. So, um, but she's helping me cope with, you know, just dealing with all of that, that I went through. Um, the first doctor told me the first one during my first diagnosis, he said that I did have PTSD. So PTSD, you know, you mourn it, you know, Hey, I'm used to having two breasts. Now it's only once. Yeah. I miss it. Um, and then just not feeling like you're a woman anymore, you know, cause this is not the same body that I'm, that I've had for 30 years or whatever. And so, and then I'm unmarried. So I was wondering like, how would that feel or work with me trying to, you know, date. And so just trying to put, pick myself up and trying to get myself dusted off. So I would say, you know, to my other person, um, they're still there, but the unhealed version of me, I would say it's not the end and do better. It's going to be Okay. Don't stress yourself out. Everything always works out for the best. Lean more on your faith. Lean on the positives and the positive people in your life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. And I'm curious, you know, as life is all about seasons. And right now, you know, we're leaving summer, going into fall. And as you reflect on this specific season of your life, what are you finding that is just bringing you so much joy, so much peace and contentment? Well, I have so many things to be um, happy about. Like I literally, every time that there's a rainbow, there's a rain, because I call it a storm. So every time I'm going through a storm, there's always a rainbow at the end. And so now I'm in my rainbow. So my rainbow consists of my daughter graduated college. So we have us a biologist over here. Congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. Um, Also, I started a new business. It's called Orbois Clothing. And um, orbois means goodbye. And so it pretty much is my way of saying peace, hope, faith, independence, light, and to, you know, freedom, independence. And that my symbol represents that. And so I have necklaces at orbois.com, orboisclothing.com. I have t-shirts and tank tops there too, but of course we're getting into the fall season, but um, the necklaces are flying off the shelves. If anyone wants to purchase, it is Um, But between my my daughter just being the best daughter, both of them have two. They're the best daughters that I have in the world. And they're always so supportive of me. And then just us leaning on each other for different things and just knowing that we are a unit and we are a tripod. As I say, just lean on to the people, the positive people that are actually pouring into you. and. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my business, I'm, of course, my insurance business, too, because I still love to help people with insurance. And I have so many things I'm doing. I'm so busy. And this all the positives with um, American Cancer Society, the Making Strides for Breast Cancer Walk, if anyone wants to join in Charlotte, North Carolina. Also, just lean into the positives that you got going on in your life. You know, positive people. I'm meeting so many great, nice people. That's just everything. This makes my world you know, a lot better, a better place. So I'm just so happy traveling. I love traveling. And so mm-hmm. just don't save anything for later. That's another thing too. That's a very important thing because we were conditioned, at least I was, um, say, oh, don't wear that. You got to save it for this day or don't got go on that trip. We got to save it for that. 
No, don't save anything because tomorrow's not promised. Go on that trip. Wear those shoes. Wear that outfit. You want to go get your hair done? Go get your hair done. It'll come. It'll work itself out. Figure it out. Whatever later. Do it. Do it for yourself right now. Whatever makes you happy, do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, tomorrow's not promised. So just enjoy. You're right. Because so many times we save an outfit. What we say for people who like to drink wine, they say, oh, I'm not opening that until this. You know, every day is a celebration, right? It's yes. because it's a new day to begin again. It really is. Yes. Truly I agree. Is. Every day mm-hmm. is another opportunity to do better than you did yesterday. So why not grab it by the reins? Nobody, no, tomorrow's not promised and just have fun doing it. You know, live life. Mm-hmm. Don't let life live you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And as um, today's um, episode comes to a close, there's a quote that I always like to um, ask my guests. And the quote by Jean Boleyn is, when you discover something that nourishes your soul and brings you joy, care enough about yourself to make room for it in your life. So I have to ask you, Kim, what nourishes your soul so much that you absolutely create space for it? I would say prayer. I mm-hmm. pray all day. <laughs> I pray. Um, you, people, I'm in my car. People, you might think I'm just talking to myself. I'm not. I'm praying um, because I know that I'm only here by God's grace and prayers. So mm-hmm. I have to um, have prayer. I'm not a Bible thumper. Don't get me wrong. I don't go to church every single Sunday, even though I should. Um, but I, I pray a lot. I talk to the Lord and I just, you know, I have to make the best lemonade. And so mm-hmm. that's, that's what I do. I, I just talk to the, talk to the Lord because I know he's not going to tell my secrets. Even though I tell every, I tell all my secrets anyway, I have none. I'm so transparent. I wear everything in my sleeve. My mom says so, but I don't really care about any of that, but yeah, just prayer, you know, so it's very much power in prayer journal. If you can, if you journal journal, that's very important. And just lean on your faith, lean on the positives oh. in your life. That's awesome. And you know what? Listen, it's good for you to be able to share your testimony because somebody you're help you're you're probably helping someone who didn't even know they needed to hear that that day. You know, so I keep keep doing it because you are. I mean, you're an advocate. You don't mind telling your story, and sometimes people just need to know that oh, someone that looks like me or someone who has a similar situation, if she could make it, I can make it. You know. Yes, powerful. It really is. It really is. Thank you. Well, Ken, how can um, listeners stay in touch with you online? Yeah, they can go to a survivor's life underscore 36. That's my Instagram. Um, Kimberly on Kimberly Survivor Wyatt. I am on Facebook and um, yeah, and TikTok too. a survivor's life 36. So I'm all over. They can um, check me out. They Please send me a message. I love to answer any questions anyone has. Always and always go to or buy clothing, and you can get your necklaces there. <laughs> <laughs> awesome! And I'll make sure to drop those in the show notes. Well, Kim, thank you so much for joining me on today's episode. I mean, your story of survivorship and being an advocate for yourself and continuing to give back is just so amazing. And I'm so glad that we crossed paths and you're able to join us today. Thank you so much, Joy. I appreciate you. Hey there, lovely listeners. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Joyfully Black. I hope that you're enjoying our content as much as we love creating it for you. So if today's episode has resonated with you or you find it valuable, please do us a favor and hit that subscribe button 
It ensures that you never miss an episode and helps us reach more listeners like you. So if you've got a friend who'd love what we're talking about today, don't keep it a secret. Sharing is caring after all. Send them a link and spread the word. And last but not least, we truly value your thoughts and feedback. Whether it's a topic you'd like us to cover or thoughts on today's discussion, drop a comment or send us a message on joyfullyblk.com or on Instagram. Your voice matters and it really helps shape the future of our show. Remember, this podcast grows and thrives because of listeners like you. So subscribe, share, and speak up. Until next time, stay in the black, y'all.